Welcome to episode 28 of the RSA Resident and Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. RSA is an accessible, collaborative organization that fosters innovation, education, and advocacy for residents and students in emergency medicine. In this episode, Dr. Fred Kensey, resident at University of Mississippi Medical Center and RSA board member, speaks with Dr. Jonathan Jones, emergency physician and current AAEM board member. Today, Drs. Kensey and Jones discuss approaches to abdominal pain in the emergency department. Welcome to another episode of AAEM RSA Podcast. I'm Fred Kinsey, second year resident at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and co-vice chair of the RSA Education Committee. Today we're recording from the AAEM Scientific Assembly 2017 in sunny Orlando, Florida. We have with us today Dr. Jonathan Jones. Dr. Jonathan Jones serves on the AAEM Board of Directors. Very happy to have him here with us today. Thanks, Fred. We're going to be discussing our approach to abdominal pain. So he's going to kind of walk us through what he thinks about what he what's going through his brain, things that he doesn't want to miss when he gets the patient that comes in with abdominal pain. And I'll let him take it from here. Sure. So abdominal pain, I think, as we all know, is a very common presenting complaint to the ED. I think sometimes we see so much that it almost becomes routine. And that, that's the first thing that I try to tell myself when I see a chief complaint of abdominal pain is don't let this be routine. Don't, mm-hmm. don't treat it like abdominal pain. So when I see someone with a chief complaint of abdominal pain, first thing in my mind is what do they mean by that? People mean all kinds of different things. So sure. talk to the patient and try to get them to explain what they mean. A lot of times people really mean nausea when they say abdominal pain. Other times it's chest pain. So figure out what it means. And then very soon after that is figure out where it hurts. There are diseases that cause generalized abdominal pain, but a majority of our patients with abdominal pain don't have generalized pain. They have left lower quadrant, right lower quadrant, upper, you know, and, and that's very important. So when I go into the room, again, I try to figure out, are they really having abdominal pain? And if so, where? Because until I know those questions, I can't even formulate my differential diagnosis. Sometimes I ask residents, you know, when they tell me a patient has abdominal pain, I say, well, I don't even know what that means. You know, it, it's just too generic. So the first thing is, are they sick? Do they really mean abdominal pain and where? And then you have to go through your differential diagnosis for each of those locations, more so than any other part of the body, in my opinion, and I'm sure neurologists would disagree with me, but I think location and geography on the patient is more important in abdominal pain than evaluating anything else. A key is getting the patient to say where it hurts the most even if they have generalized abdominal pain. And don't let them wave their hand over their abdomen. (laughs) Sometimes I'll actually touch my patient. Imagine that. Grab their hand and and make a finger out of their their hand and say, use one finger and point to where it hurts. Uh, That helps so much more. Um, Once you know the location, we won't go into the differential diagnosis of each location. I think that's uh, beyond this. This was, I think, more about the approach to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then the next thing I want to get, which is really important, is the timing of onset. Because acute onset pain has a very differential diagnosis than gradual onset pain. Mm -hmm. Acute onset pain is much more likely to be some mechanical or vascular phenomenon. So what I mean by that is a a small bowel obstruction, a perforation, a clot, you know, so, so ischemic bowel, which does take time to develop. But something that's acute onset is much more likely to be that, some twisting of the intestines, Mm -hmm. a gallstone potentially that now gets stuck. Mm -hmm. They should have some prodromal symptoms. But if someone says, No, at 7.02 in the morning, I had sudden onset pain. That's going to be something mechanical. 
If it's gradual onset, that's when you're starting to think infectious. Mm. You're thinking of the appendicitis, a cholecystitis, a diverticulitis. Anything, itis, is when you start <laughs> thinking that way. And so it really changes your differential diagnosis and your workup. Very true. Most infectious causes, you're going to want to get some labs and stuff. And a lot of times you won't need imaging. You know, I know I just mentioned three things that we typically image. Cholecystitis, we do an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. Appendicitis, we think about a CT and sometimes even diverticulitis. But a lot of times with a good H&P, you can diagnose these without imaging. Very For mechanical true. diseases, sudden onset diseases, small bowel obstructions, volvulus, uh, perforations, it's going to be really hard to diagnose that without some type of imaging. So it's location and then that timing of onset. I, they just, I can't stress that enough. I think that's really important because that's going to be a branch point in me deciding what type of workup this patient's going to get, you know, what kind of labs versus imaging the patient's going to get. Oh, yeah, exactly. With the advent of point-of-care type of bedside imaging modalities, ultrasound being the, the big baby, how has that changed the assessment of abdominal pain in your kind of practice? I think it's the initial assessment, I don't think it's changed that much, but then when I was saying it changes that branch point. ED point-of-care ultrasound is phenomenal. Now I mean, we're using it for all kinds of stuff, and uh, abdominal pains, or certain types of it's been kind of an older one. I think the first thing I ask myself still, and I hope everybody does, is do I feel comfortable doing this ultrasound? From the time I trained, they're using ultrasound for things that I, I was never trained on. And so I either need to train myself on it or I need to not pretend that I know how to do it. So that's one key. <laughs> I've had people show me ultrasounds of an appendix and, and it's like, that, I, I don't know what that's a picture of, but it's not the appendix. So let's not pretend that you can do that. And now some of us can. But how it's changed it, it we, we can get a, a much quicker diagnosis on the patient and potentially get that disposition faster and then avoid CT imaging. And in my opinion, one of the main points of ultrasound, other than the rapidity of the diagnosis, is avoiding radiation. And so, you know, anybody with right upper quadrant abdominal pain, you got to do an ultrasound. Epigastric abdominal pain, mm -hmm. a lot of times that's going to be gallstone related or whatnot. You got to do an ultrasound. You know, we are using ultrasound more to look at intestinal problems, but you need some special training on that. And then renal colic is amazing. I mean, there's some studies saying, not saying not to CT renal colic, but saying, you know, in young, healthy patients, even for first-time stones, start with an ultrasound. It's not saying that you're never going to CT them, but start with an ultrasound, see where that goes. And in some of these patients, they might be candidates to not get CT scans, uh, which would be, I think, a great thing. So how does it change my practice? It, it changes my practice because uh, it allows me to order fewer CTs. And that is very important, very important. Something we do whenever we see a chief complaint come through the computer or come up on our, or the, the new patient that's just popped up is, so something that you're thinking through your head or I'm thinking through my head when I see a patient is, what about this chief complaint is going to kill this patient mortality? And if I don't catch it, will it harm the patient later? Morbidity. Looking at males and females with abdominal pain, what are some of your cannot miss diagnoses? Sure, absolutely. So any female with abdominal pain needs a pregnancy test. And, and I get yelled at by my nurses because I order pregnancy tests on 60-year-olds. And, <laughs> and I don't care because it costs about nothing. And that's a not-misdiagnosis. Exactly. And I'm not going to be that case report. So that's, you know, anything pregnancy-related, ectopic pregnancy mainly, you know, being the absolute can't miss. And really, I could care less how old the, the patient is if they still have a uterus. And amazingly enough, I've had patients that told me they had a hysterectomy that were pregnant. And because, you know, sometimes patients don't actually know what the surgery was. And, <laughs> and the one I'm thinking of had a oophorectomy, but not a hysterectomy. So that's the can't miss for females, for young females. 
Then there's torsion, and this goes for uh, males and females. Male yes. torsion uh, in the uh, pediatric group, a lot of times will present as abdominal pain. A lot of times the kids are actually a little embarrassed to say that they have testicular pain. I've seen 40-year-olds that are embarrassed to say they have testicular pain mm -hmm. and they talk about abdominal pain. So you don't want to miss torsion. So that takes a good exam. And then, you know, ovarian torsion is a lot harder to diagnose, but mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really can't-miss diagnosis because, again, I don't think people have died from it, but it can certainly cause infertility and long-standing yeah. problems. So that an absolute can't-miss diag diagnosis. When you get into the older group, you have to think of perforations or ischemic bowels, you know, mm -hmm. dead gut. And so the other thing, you, you really have to do a good exam other than the abdomen specifically, is does the patient have an irregular heart rate? Mm -hmm. You have a patient with AFib and abdominal pain, that you have to think that they're throwing clots. Light bulb and, goes off. You know, and, and that has to be a very, very high-risk patient. So take a good history, ask them if they have AFib, but in one sense, don't trust anybody. <laughs> Listen to their heart. You know, get that EKG. Check it out, because if they have a high risk for a blood clot, that's an absolute can't-miss diagnosis. Most perforations you can kind of find on exam, you know, with a rigid abdomen or something, but obviously, again, a can't-miss diagnosis. Um, so those would be mine. I think I want to throw just two, two final things out okay. if I can. A little pet peeve of mine, I think we don't examine specifically in males. I, I don't think we look to a GU exam in males sure. as, as often as we should. Most of the time we don't need to, but again, if you started to really ask, uh, or at least do a GU history, mm -hmm. I've been amazed at the number of times that I have males young males complain of abdominal pain, and it's, it's really a GU problem. Mm. You know, maybe it's simple, epididymitis, which mm -hmm. really is relatively benign. But you diagnose it on exam, and now you're not doing a full workup. Exactly. Um, so I'd say, I'd say do, do a GU, H&P, on abdominal pain. I think we do that for females all the time, and oh, for yeah. some reason we just ignore males. <laughs> um, so don't do that. Then the other thing I just want to let people think of, which I think needs to really change how we triage patients and stuff, but if you have a senior citizen who would just take all comers complaining of chest pain versus a senior citizen complaining of abdominal pain. You know which one of those has a higher mortality? Abdominal it's pain. the abdominal pain. Yeah. When a senior citizen complaining of chest pain comes into the ED, we, we rush them into a room and everybody <laughs> jumps on top of it and we get IV access and we hook them up to the monitor. And then, you know, some places you get a seven-year-old with abdominal pain, they might sit in the waiting room or, or even when they come back, the, the nurse just says, oh, they just have abdominal pain. <laughs> exactly. And that patient's actually potentially sicker than the chest pain. So the final thing I, I want to think about abdominal pain is we need to treat them like they're very sick and assume they're dying until you prove they're not. Yeah, Atypical presentations. We talk about that a lot. Well, we thank you for coming and sharing this wisdom with us about abdominal pain. Definitely enjoyed you. We hope that you come back and see us again. Thank you all the listeners out there and don't forget to tune in again to other episodes. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. For more information about RSA, please visit our website www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to all podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.